Alright guys, welcome back to the Daily Mail. This is episode 5. I'm here with Andy, a good mate of mine, went to school together. He was uh, two years above me at Riverview and um, we both train at the same gym together where Andy works and um, we've become good friends and you know we always have good chats about everything to do with strength training, you know, weightlifting, hypertrophy and stuff like that. So we've become close over the past few years so I thought it would be a good, exa- uh, a good uh, time to get him onto the podcast. We could talk about everything to do with um, specific stuff in the gym, so hypertrophy and strength training. Um, Andy has a big background in the fitness industry. Um, Andy, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, Firstly, uh, thank you for having me on, Matt. It's a real pleasure to be on a podcast speaking a little bit about what I'm passionate about. Um, About my background, uh, like Matt said, I went to high school with him. Uh, After that, I went to university and did my bachelor's in sport and exercise science. Um, so I did that at the University of Technology, Sydney, to kind of get a background. I also did my, I have my Cert 3 and 4 in personal training. I've been working at a gym for five years, um, so Fitlane Cove, and I've been working with clients both online and in person for the last couple of years. Uh, and now I'm currently doing my honours in health science at Sydney University in the like exercise science disciplines. So I'm going to be doing some research of my own, writing a thesis uh, on some topics including probably hypertrophy and resistance training mainly yeah cool so you're you started off with a bachelor of sports science yes and you've completed that yeah yeah so finished that up last year and now starting the honors this year and what's your honors like specifically in so you do an honors you do research so you write a thesis on a particular topic and then you conduct research for that topic so Currently, it could change. It's still up in the works, but mine's going to be looking more at fatigue and the differences between men and women. So sex differences between men and women uh, on fatigue and recovery in weight training. So there's a lot of research out there and literature on aerobic stuff. Um, maybe not so much on resistance training. And also, I also think the quality of the literature on there needs to be improved upon, which is why I chose the era. I'm passionate about it. I like training both men and women. Yeah, and cool. I like to make sure that when I'm giving uh, prescriptions or advice, at least I have some level of confidence in what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And so you said you've been working at the gym for about five years now. Yes. Uh, How long have you been doing personal training there for? Personal training. So I actually started doing more like online coaching before personal training. So personal training at that gym uh, a year now. And then online coaching, I've been doing that for probably the last two, three years. It's never really been a source of income. It's always been a more of a, hey, can I get some help? I'm happy to pay you for your time and going, oh, all right. Yeah. And then just kind of going from there, working with some people online. Um, and now it's become my my main and source of income because personal training. Guys. Yeah, because it's like a passion for you, and so yeah. you're very ha- like happy to help people um, <laughs> achieve their goals. So, do you prefer like one to one training, or do you prefer the online kind of aspect of things? Um, I think there's benefits to both. Uh, it's hard to say. I, I do really like interacting with people one on one. Like you get to chat to them, get to know them. But you can also do that with coaching. I think the relationship kind of is a little bit different. Some people with personal training, especially at my gym, um, it's uh, something I need to do kind of thing. They don't feel like they want to do it. It's something they should do. They should be active. A lot of the times it's people, you know, middle-aged adults with a little bit of disposable income who feel like they're not being physically active, feel like they've let themselves go, so they want to do personal training. They feel like they have to. Um, and it's not necessarily something they enjoy or look forward to, but it's just something they feel like they should do. Yeah. Um, and they enjoy the results from it, but they don't necessarily enjoy the process always. Or with coaching, somebody reaches out to me most of the time, enjoys it. Enjoys it enough to go out of their way to spend money and not have face-to-face yeah. interaction with me via, unless we, we talk via Skype. Yeah. So I feel like the relationship's a little bit different. So you think there's definitely a difference between the people that you have? 
for both per, like personal like one-to-one training and mm. the people you get online don't get me wrong there's some people that kind of it's more of a spectrum some people kind of float between the two so i have some clients in, in personal training who are really interested in just getting after it like they love this stuff and they've reached out to me because they just think either they kind of value my opinion i don't know why yeah. or they um they just like it enough and they want, want, want a second opinion yeah. um and so I, I can think of one client that comes to mind he's really into it loves his training i do his programming and occasionally sessions with him in person yeah um versus most of my clients are more on the this is something i have to do i don't really know how to do it so i'm yeah. gonna hire a personal trainer yeah well he kind of already knows what he's doing he just likes to have someone to help him along the way yeah so yeah, because like from I've seen like the people that you've trained at the gym sometimes, like a lot of them are kind of like that middle-aged um, age group and they just kind of know that it's something good that they should be doing, but they just need that extra guidance. Yeah. Whilst like people who are doing online training are a bit more like, um, that. yeah, they do know what they're doing and they just want either that, that, that guidance, like that extra guidance. Mm. They might be a little lazy or they're not like, like um, specifically know how to program correctly. Um, and they just need that extra push. Yeah, most definitely. Fair enough. Um, so what are the main differences that you think are between hypertrophy training and strength training? Uh, the main differences. So like they're definitely related. So for all things else being equal, typically a bigger muscle is going to be a stronger muscle. It tends to be able to produce more force per unit of cross-sectional area. Uh, but strength is largely so much more than just the size of the muscle. plays a role, but it's things like getting into the kind of like the, the neuroscience of it. So how fast these muscle fibers like how fast are the nerve is the nerve conduction how fast do they yeah. light up after they've gotten kind of a stimulus um how quickly can the bundles contract in a muscle you'll typically have like some muscles uh, or some fibers for example on the arm you get your triceps and then you've got your biceps can one relax while the other one contracts and what's like the coordination between that so that's yeah. called like agonist uh, antagonist coactivation so you see better coordination you see people being able to contract more fibers at a higher degree um, so there are differences um, and in terms of the program and the outcome there are, does come a lot of differences as well because hypertrophy is largely just the accumulation of uh, it's a, essentially a bigger muscle but that's done through typically two ways you either get more contractile proteins so the actual things that contract and make uh make things move so make objects move to generate movement that those are the contractile protein so accumulating more of those or you kind of get what's called uh, sarcoplasmic hypertrophy which is kind of the stuff outside so it might be parts of the cell that's uh, more glycogen in there there's more water in it uh, essentially it's a disproportionate amount of growth in relation to the contractile proteins yeah i'm not sure if that's a really bad explanation of it <laughs> no really it's a very it. scientific explanation but it does make sense um but like for people un- like not un- understanding the difference between strength and hypertrophy like you would say like so hypertrophy we're talking about muscle growth technically yeah pretty much hypertrophy summing up muscle growth and strength training is more of just you know being stronger yeah actually and- like kind of uh performance based as in can I lift that bar off the ground yeah. yeah and they both have separate kind of styles of training right yeah definitely yeah yeah so hypertrophy you know like a general kind of um you know way to go around it is like you're doing more of like 8 to what 12 maybe 15 reps in the gym while strength training you could be what, doing anything from 1 to 6 1 to 5 yeah I, th- I think the main distinction is with strength training if you're trying to get as strong as possible and try to lift the heaviest weight possible, you want to get pretty specific. So you probably yeah. want to practice that. 
doing sets of 15s probably not going to accomplish that because you can't put the heaviest weight in the bar. Yeah. And then hypertrophy, we need to kind of, the goal is to generate enough tension to kind of achieve a few different mechanisms. Um, typically, that's going to be best in a moderate rep range. Yeah. The good thing about hypertrophy is provided you're probably not in any extremes, like you're not doing singles like yeah. or heavy doubles versus all the way up to like 30 plus reps. If it's probably somewhere between five and 30 and it's hard, it's probably going to be yeah. a good stimulus towards hypertrophy. Right. Yeah. No, because like, yeah, I mean, a lot of my training personally is more of the hypertrophy based kind of thing. I have like, you know, dabbled with the strength training here and there because like you said, they both can coincide together. Mm-hmm. So like you were saying, you know, the stronger the muscle, the big, you know, the bigger you can get the muscle. So what I've kind of like learned and what, what I've been told is like, Obviously, if you can get stronger in a specific muscle group or a specific movement, uh, over time you'll be able to push more weight. And then if you up the reps, but mm. you can up the weight because your strength is higher, then you'll be able to put on more muscle. That's funnily enough. That's exactly how I used to think, and now my thought process has changed a little bit. What's your current thought process? Um, I'm not so sure that getting stronger is the best way to get bigger. In saying that, I don't mean that you shouldn't aim to get stronger. Like, even if you're training in the moderate rep ranges, if you're lifting more weight in those moderate rep ranges, so let's say you start off with doing 100 kilos in the bench press, you know, sets of 10, and then a year from now you're doing 120 kilos in the bench press for sets of 10. That's a good indication you've gotten stronger. If your body weight stayed the same, you've probably built some muscle. Yeah. You've, you've gotten freaking impressive results. Yeah. But it's kind of for, for hypertrophy, we tr- need to kind of generate enough tension at a certain threshold. If you go from this is your level of performance for the people who don't have a, a camera or aren't watching this, I'm using my hands. Um, the, if you have like a certain level of performance and you need to gener- get to a certain threshold yeah. to elicit a hypertrophic response or so to be stimulative for hypertrophy, but then all you do is get stronger, you've now just raised the standard of what you have to do to get to that right. point of stimulus for hypertrophy. So definitely if somebody gets stronger, if essentially if you live for like 10, 20 years, you're going to get bigger, you're going to get stronger. Yeah. But I'm not so sure that the absolute best way yeah. to get bigger is to get stronger. Because there are a lot of people out there who are strong, but not actually physically big. Yeah. Would yeah. you say this is more from either not training that kind of high rep range as much as like someone who's in, more into physique development and bodybuilding, mm. or would you just say that it's just the, the uh, it could be their genetic makeup, or it could be just like the fact that just because you are getting stronger does not mean that you're that you're getting bigger. Yeah, I agree with all those. So I think the training style would largely be different. I mean, if you look at some of the competitive powerlifters, you could look in like low weight classes, like the the small weight class. I don't know what it is now. I think it's, it used to be like the sixty six kilo weight class for the yeah. guys. Those aren't big dudes. They look muscular, but they're not big dudes. But they move some fucking impressive weight. Yeah, and that's because of one, the technique. Uh, two maybe some physiological or genetic differences between them but i think it's largely going to be the training style um and as a result training style let's say they're doing heavy triples heavy doubles heavy singles that's going to get them really good at lifting really heavy things yeah. at least heavy for them yeah but it might not be enough stimulus or enough tension to generate massive amounts of hypertrophy which is probably why they're not in their spare time yeah. entering bodybuilding shows now that's not for all of them there are exceptions to that but that's just as a general rule yeah and what would your current style of training be what do you think i would definitely identify or i would put myself in the camp of the hypertrophy yeah. slash bodybuilding so you enjoy training. that a bit more than the strength training. yes that is my current endeavor yeah because you've done a lot of strength big. training before, though. Yeah, yeah. I used to do powerlifting. And when I say used to, I mean I did one competition and performed dismally at it. Yeah, what was your lift? Uh, what did I get? Um, now, how long ago was this, though? 
2016. Okay, so four years ago. How yeah, old were you? I was then? like 19. 19, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I got a one, and this, like, oh, I'm going to make an excuse here, but this was after one year of training for it. <laughs> so I didn't, I wasn't exactly strong to, to that strong before I started training for this uh, either. So I think my squat was like 160 kilos. Um, bench, about 125. Deadlift, I think I got 197.5. I didn't get 200. That's still yeah. quite good. Especially That's for fine. being 19 years old. Oh, I, I was very happy with my performance. Yeah. I mean, it, I, didn't, I wasn't turning any heads at a powerlifting meet by no means, but at our local gym, yeah. being, majority of it being yeah. like younger kids and then also some families and then some older people, it's enough to turn heads. In the yeah, gym yeah. Right? when you're putting anything more than four, four plates on a bar, yeah. you get some looks, don't Absolutely, you? Absolutely, yeah. How, what, how much are you weighing at this point? Um, I competed in the 83 kilo class. Okay, cool. So I, I think I weighed like 82.75. Yeah, that's still pretty impressive. But I was happy with it. Yeah, so, but since then you have kind of like fallen away from that. I have not beaten those lifts. <laughs> no, yes, <laughs> I actually have. I, I've, I've bested my deadlift squats. I've now done a beltless squat above that. Yeah. So that was with all, all my competition lists were with a belt. Yeah. I've done a beltless squat heavier than like 161. So like one kilo PB without a belt. Yeah. Um, and then bench, I think I've, I think I've matched it. I don't think I've beaten it. Yeah. yeah. You had a few injuries though, didn't you? Yeah. I, I tore a pec, like not off the bone, but like a, a, a snuff of a tear to kind yeah. of stop me from benching for a long time. Um, I've had two knee surgeries, so that's kind of on and off, just little niggles dealing with that. Yeah. Those are the main ones that come to mind. Because I remember you said that you were kind of taking a step back from the heavy lifting and doing more kind of lighter weight when it comes to um, squats and stuff like that. Yeah. And also bench press probably from the pec tear. Mm. Um, but just kind of feeling through that the form and just getting back to kind of like the, the way it's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, I think I kind of stepped away from lifting with good technique or lifting with technique that was suitable for me to yeah. kind of uh, put me in the best position to... And so you were just trying to kind of lift like heavier. Yeah, and I and I thought if I wasn't getting lifting heavier, like I wasn't doing it right. In reality, I think it's that's a not always the best outlook to have. Yeah. Do you think that this may have caused some of your injuries, Um, or even your pector? Maybe I'm not. I think definitely looking at my technique on a on a bench press. Weirdly enough, I had a big arch, so my range of motion wasn't that long, but I fl- like I had a wide grip. Yeah. I super-duper flared my elbows because I figured out this like technique for me where I could barely move the bar distance, but it was gnarly, a pretty gnarly stretch on the pec. So yeah. I, I think that possibly could have played a role. Yeah. Um, and also, I just think with any sport or anything you do for enough period of time, if you keep doing it over and over, you're bound to get some little needles and pains in that area. Mm. Um, so yeah. yeah, like I agree. I haven't had, like, touch wood, I haven't had anything too serious. Um, obviously, I, I had a broken hip back in year 11, so this is like 2015, it's almost five mm. years ago now, so that's kind of hindered my squat kind of performance. Um, but in terms of in the gym injuries, I haven't really had anything too serious. I get a bit of like needling pain like in my upper pec, like shoulder kind of attachment area there mm-hmm. um, from bench press, but... That's where I tore my pec? Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a two-week kind of rest and then goes it feels back, yeah. like back to normal again. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Either I better start watching my form, or I think something might be coming quite soon. And I think it always is the it's the management thing. Like you're never going to be. You get to a point where saying I want to be pain free is a good goal to have, but yeah. it like if it means we're only going for pain free movement, there might be times you just decide okay, I'm just not going to lift at all because lifting's hard in general. Yeah. So I think definitely managing it yeah. and going to that kind of a threshold is appropriate, and just yeah. kind of being aware of it. Like I know with my 
heck when I tore it, it was out of complete arrogance. Like it was building up, building up. And I distinctly remember every session I was benching and like I'd be benching, doing dips, doing incline presses. And I'd be like on some of these movements, I'd be like, I wonder if next set it's going to go. Yeah. And then I'd Could get you through. feel something? Yeah, yeah. It was really tight. It really felt like it was pulling. And I was just like, oh, got through that set. Phew. Okay, I've got two more sets to go. It, yeah, could, right. it could very well tear on the next one, but I'm going to see how I go. Yeah, and right. it was the dumbest thing ever. And then eventually one rep, it was like a heavy double or something like that. It just didn't like, it wasn't like this popping noise or anything. It was just kind of, a, I went to press it. It was a bit of a crunch and I couldn't lift the bar luckily I had a spotter. So I just pulled it up yeah. and I was just like, mm, Were you in a lot of pain or was it like- No, it was more like a bit of a shock and I had the adrenaline kick in. Yeah. Then it kind of hurt. There was no bruising or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and I never got a scan. So to be honest, I don't know if it was actually <laughs> a, a tear. Yeah. Based on what physios told me, they, they diagnosed it as a tear. But then again, yeah. I guess they're just doing their best guess. And how much time did you take out from benching from that? eight months well wow. i just i started just doing overhead press yeah i just started doing overhead press just push-ups because i managed to be able to do push-ups that's right i remember yeah. you telling me that but the good thing is overhead press you actually get, do get a lot of upper chest stimulation from i mean my pecs definitely got a little smaller yeah. but when i came back i wasn't weaker at the bench press like i still was oh, able wow. to maintain it like i was at i was unskilled in the movement but like my shoulder strength my tricep strength and i was still there like yeah. I was still able to when I come back after a couple of sessions be like okay I'm only yeah. a little bit weaker than I was yeah like I, I, have, I haven't deadlifted in in quite a while like I remember um, this is probably two or three years ago when you were also quite big into powerlifting I was quite big into it too and I was deadlifting maybe twice a week or something like that mm. squatting twice a week um, yeah and I honestly haven't dead, deadlifted since since because it's the same just like injuries just even if it's just you know lower back pain or just like hip pain and stuff like that I just got to the point where it was like the like the pain slash like not being able to finish my workouts or not even enjoying my workouts at all just was just like over like it was yeah. just way over the you know the the fact the fact of actually deadlifting in the gym mm. so I kind of made a decision I was like oh, I'm just not gonna deadlift anymore yeah, and that's, um, that's when I started transitioning to like I'd always had that body like bodybuilding kind of background uh, hypertrophy training but when I stopped deadlifting I was just like okay I, deadlifting is obviously a great exercise to do if you if done well mm. but in terms of muscle growth would yeah. you say it's not as good as other exercises uh, it dep- it would, yeah it would depend if somebody said like if somebody said like is it a good pec build absolutely not no um, yeah but yeah, yeah. it like there would be some movements good for so if somebody said glutes I would say it's probably fine it, yeah. it, it depends on a little bit of your anatomy like in your structure because um, typically when it comes to hypertrophy you want to get you want to take a joint through a long range of motion that tends to be a little bit better because we can get a lot of stretch, a lot of tension in the stretch position. That's a really good component of generating a stimulus for hypertrophy. Um, so most of the time I would encourage people to go through a long and safe and comfortable range of motion. Um, with a deadlift, you are limited by the bar starting from the floor. Mm. Um, so imagine if someone could go down a little bit lower, like they had the mobility, they had the anatomy to go lower, but they can't. Um, and also there's this isn't my term this is kind of a, a term coined by a guy named Mike Isratel I, I would encourage if anybody's interested in like hypertrophy or bodybuilding to, to look at some of his stuff really smart really smart dude um, but he talks about this idea of finding movements for you and they're individual to you that generate a high amount of stimulus for you know what you're trying to accomplish so let's say your goal was I'm trying to build thick hamstrings trying to get some meaty hamstrings yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you find exercises that really good stimulus but at a low fatigue cost 
or at least a reasonable fatigue cost. Right. And that's what he coined the stimulus to fatigue ratio. So if an exercise doesn't generate a lot of stimulus for what you're trying to do, muscle growth in this case, yeah. and it generates a whole heap of fatigue, like so much- So for example, deadlifting. Yeah, I think deadlift's a really good example. Um, just to put it, I'll, I'll give you a personal example of myself, my training. I got to the point where even just three to four heavy sets of working deadlifts, so working heavy sets, because I think a working set should be kind of hard, Yeah. Um, would leave me so wrecked that the rest of my workout, it would take me like 10 minutes, 15 minutes yeah. just to get ready to the next one. Yeah. I generated so much fatigue that the amount of volume and the amount of tension that I could uh, kind of do on the next lot of movements because I had to hindered. drop the weight was hindered. Yeah. And it's like, well, I just kind of buggered the rest of my workout yeah. or at least didn't make it as good as it could have been because I'm sort of hug, hugging on or kind of trying to hold on to using deadlifts for as long as I can because I, I used to be a powerlifter so I think deadlifts are the best yeah. in reality if somebody said I'm trying to get some, some meaty hams I might think an RDL is a little bit better of an yeah. exercise yeah. or I might put them on like a, a ham yeah. Uh, yeah, for a hamstring curl for, for some, some parts of the hamstring not for others um, yeah. but it's a great exercise probably another good example of an exercise where it's for me a hamstring curls a really good stimulus and a really low fatigue so yeah. I freaking love hamstring curls yeah, yeah, yeah. I find back extensions when I do kind of a glute emphasized back extension I can just smash my hamstrings yeah, right. and I generate like pretty much very little fatigue like it's so easy to come yeah. back from um, so I think a deadlift is probably a good example for most people under a lot of cases where it's probably not the best exercise yeah. for building muscle. That's really interesting. But it's, it's, to, to clarify, it is a good exercise yeah, to build muscle. A yeah. good overall exercise. Yeah, it's a good overall. But in terms of like specific pinpoint muscle building, it's probably not the greatest in terms of comparison to fatigue. Yeah, yeah. And, and it comes down to also like the person's personal preferences, how much time they have to train. Yeah. So if somebody came in and trained once per week, well, you don't give a shit about fatigue because no. they're training once per week. So you kind of fucking hammer them as much as you can. You do as much work as you can. So if you've got an hour to train once a week, you kind of want to do what you can to hit everything. Yeah. So deadlifts might be very well a great exercise for that. Yeah. But if you're training five, six, seven times a week and you're a bodybuilder and you're working on specific muscle groups, maybe tra training certain muscle groups two, three times a week, yeah. maybe doing a deadlift might not be the best idea. Yeah. So it definitely comes down to the own individual. Yeah. I definitely agree with that too because you know um, I was training five, six times a week uh, but then also training muscle groups twice a week and mm. trying to deadlift twice a week, trying to squat twice a week, trying to bench press twice or, twice a week. And I was probably, like, honestly, it was when I was doing it, was I was like 17, 18, 19. So I had a lot of energy and a lot of, like, I wasn't really kind of worrying about that stuff. But then, like, I continued to do it, continued to do it, and I was just felt so fatigued mm. throughout the week. You know, by the end of the week, I was very, very fatigued. Um, and like you said, uh, I'd do those deadlift workouts and I'd do them on a pool day. And um, then I would like half-ass do my lat pull-downs or my chin-ups or my rows and stuff like that. Mm. Or I'd cut my workout 30 minutes short just because my central nervous system was just completely fried. Mm. So that's a really good point because I haven't really spoken to anyone about that kind of specific um, volume, like, like muscle stimulation versus fatigue because it's like you can feel it in the gym and you kind of know what's going on but you yeah. don't know that that's an actual thing it, I feel like for me it was kind of until I heard it it wasn't a term I knew to put I could mm. describe but I definitely know what you mean you kind of like god I just feel beat up I feel yeah. wrecked after this movement a lot of people can kind of feel it and for some people it may not be the deadlift like it might be something else it might be the squat yeah. wrecks them or something or the bench press wrecks them but um, a lot of people seem to find that like a deadlift is, man, I just feel wrecked after. And I think it has largely to do with also the amount of weight used yeah. and the way people deadlift. So if you do a deadlift where you dead stop reset every time, oh, yeah. um, you tend to be able to use more weight if you're already pretty good at a deadlift and let's say better than your other movements. So like on a, for me, I was always a better deadlifter than I was squatter and bencher. Um, 
it came naturally more natural and I think it comes more natural to a lot of people just picking something off the ground yeah um, so you can use a decent amount of weight from the get-go and once you get up to using some pretty impressive weights and you're doing a dead stop you end up being able to use more weight or do it for more reps because you take that little break and then you're just getting fucking hammered yeah. fatigue wise yeah. yeah yeah it's crazy though when you think about it like since then I've kind of I've definitely changed my style of training around and I feel like I can go my intensity stays very at the set like at the same level throughout the whole workout mm. so don't get me wrong I'm still bench pressing I'm still squatting um, bench press I'm doing more of the heavier stuff um, because I don't get as fatigued from it but squats I'm doing more of like a like a volume kind of stuff at the moment just mm-hmm. to kind, kind of add um, add some muscle mm. um, obviously German volume training 10 by 10 you know it's been thrown around the words all the time mm-hmm. do you have a specific like point point of view on it do you think it works or not as in the <laughs> So like, it, do you think that it, like doing ten by ten, say, because at the moment I'm doing ten by ten squats just with sixty kilos on the bar. Yeah. Do you think that might be a, like that is a good way to build muscle, or do you think it's overkill? I think it's fine. I don't think it's a particularly bad way. I don't think it's a particularly great way either. Okay. I think a, a better way might be to look at it. Is kind of and this is hard. It's figure out how much you need to do in a week to make progress yeah um and you might quantify that by number of sets so you might find out that on average let's say you're using a squat to build quads and you say my quads need roughly i know let's say you do two leg sessions a week eight sets on the first one and eight sets on the second so like 16 sets in a given week to kind of notice some pretty good gains anything more than that and you just find it's too much anything less than that you just feel like you're not making that much progress it's just too long um you then all you need to do from there is figure out okay what ways can I what movements can I use that I recover well from what give me a good stimulus um, how yeah. how can I get more out of less is kind of a good way to look yeah. at it so you might find movements where instead of doing 10 by 10 you only need to do four or five sets of it and you are legs are cooked because yeah. you just really kind of hammer them home you're in a really good position to kind of generate stimulus for the quads um, once you're there if you need 10 sets of squats on a particular day to make progress hey yeah. Then so be, it. Do, yeah. so, so be it. So be it. I'd be shocked to find that somebody's doing that. It, yeah. And like each set is a working set. So I kind of classify a working set as pretty close to that point of kind of technical failure. Or at yeah. least, uh, the point of where, nine, yeah, yeah, where the point where the local muscle fatigue, muscle, the local muscle fatigue is the limiting factor. Yeah. So if you're using a squat for quads, let's say you do a set of 10, the reason you stopped at 10 is not because the program said 10, is because at 10, you got to the point where the fatigue or the local fatigue at the, at the quad level was so high that you probably only had about one more, one or yeah. two more reps left in the tank. Maybe three or four is fine as well. But if you're doing 10 reps and have like, 15 reps left in the tank yeah i don't see anything good about doing 10 by 10 yeah right yeah. so because like at the moment for myself like i i still haven't found that style of leg training or specific rep sets or uh weight that uh have stimulated well with my legs i've done everything from you know weight training going up to 120 140 kilo squats for like you know doubles and triples and stuff like that mm-hmm. and trying to build up the strength and that hasn't put any size on my legs you know and i've been doing more like you know 100 for like like three to four sets of 10 um you know and now i'm currently doing you know 60 kilos for like 10 by 10 kind of stuff like that whilst like for other exercises so for example chest shoulders and stuff like that like i know i've figured already figured out kind of what stimulates those muscle groups the best for me mm-hmm. um and then you can apply kind of that you know to your training sessions yeah and i think that's a good point as well not everybody in that like even in one person so yourself the way your legs respond might be slightly different to the way your 
like upper body and your torso yeah. response like you might find your pecs can just are really resistant to volume like so you can do you know like three exercises five sets of pop 15 sets like 15 working hard sets in a session three times a week because yeah. you've just got like these pecs that just recover yeah but um you might find that your legs aren't the case I, I, i'm going to use myself as a personal example again i feel like my legs my quads specifically can make progress off like some relatively low amounts of volume i'm working with my coach at the moment and we're on a kind of a probably for upper body probably a reasonable amount of volume for lower body i'd put us in the the lower volume yeah. kind of category i squat for direct quad work i probably do nine sets a week again yeah in total and it gets training once or twice a week twice so the one wow. session i have like six sets i believe oh actually take about 10 sets 10 sets in a week so seven sets in my, one of my first leg session yeah. uh, and then there's only three sets in my last now keep that in mind i get like some probably a little bit of quad work from some other movements like by some very small amounts like you get a I mean, I wouldn't prescribe the, a regular deadlift as a quad builder, but I'm sure that there's some little amounts of yeah. uh, quad stimulation there. Yeah, of course. But for direct quad work, I'm only doing 10 sets a week and I'm still making progress. I just find that my lower body seems to respond off lower to moderate volumes. Right, yeah. While with like my arms, for example, or some of my other body parts like my pecs have really responded to kind of moderate to higher volumes. That's yeah. really interesting. Um, so how do you think, um, you know, your studies at university and what you've learned over the past four or five years, mm. Um, how do you apply that into your own training and also your clients that you personally train? Okay, so a lot of the stuff at uni, first year uni is kind of setting the standards. So you just need to learn the basics, like kind of coming in almost expecting to be a science degree. I just need to understand the foundations of human anatomy, the physiology, kind of what is a cell, what makes up of it, you know, what are bones, where yeah. are they, what are different muscles, where are they, um, set up a baseline level of knowledge yeah. and then you kind of get into second year and then you kind of get into some more exercise specific stuff you know exercise physiology start looking at kind of bioenergetics energy metabolism looking at like oh what different types of exercise use different energy systems stuff like that and then you also get into a little bit of oh how do I work with people now how do I kind of prescribe it I've got the little bit of information I've got the X's and O's how do I actually help somebody now and then year three you kind of just refine that you do a little bit more advanced stuff so a little more kind of advanced uh, exercise physiology we're learning more at least this is the, the course at UTS uh, learning more about some more advanced concepts within exercise phys physiology but it's largely applied so the, one of the subjects that comes to mind is applied exercise physiology and you learn how to take these concepts and apply it to athletes so in that applied sort of exercise physiology class you'll learn these kind of advanced concepts and you'll be able to figure out how it works for athletic populations um, we focused a lot on team sport and like field athletes, so track and field sometimes, team sport athletes. In the back of my mind, it was always about personal training. It was yeah. always about bodybuilders. It was always about powerlifters. It was always about weightlifters. So my how they can apply yeah, to that kind of It was stuff. always my small world. I definitely, th uh, when they taught it and using field athletes and team sport athletes as examples, I was very much like, oh, that's really interesting. That's really cool. But I was always trying to bring it back to what holds kind of near and dear to me. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think that's a good thing to have. It's sometimes hard to draw on some of the things from class and use it in real life. Do you think maybe because that's it's very scientific specific? Yeah, I think maybe sometimes it, this is might be getting into a little rant about teaching at a university, but a lot of the times people teaching the classes are PhD students. Yeah. Um, and not to say that they don't know what they're talking about, but it's more teaching is a different topic entirely than knowing what you're talking about okay. um, you get a lot of times that people doing PhDs and they say cool go teach the subject but they don't know how to teach and then we kind of just 
listen to them talk and we don't know right. how to take it away and then apply it in real life. So yeah. that's a different topic entirely. But I do try to take things from university and apply it to life. I'm trying to think of some maybe specific examples that uh, come to mind. Probably the most common one that I use on a day-to-day is just, yeah, uh, like aerobic training. Yeah. A lot of my clients, I, like I love weight training. I'm so biased towards weight training. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But when I'm working with people and their goal is to lose weight, I have to acknowledge that, cool, especially if diet's something that they struggle with, I need to get the most out of their training to go, go for their goals. And yeah. it's weight loss. And yeah. they don't really care about being a bodybuilder. So we'll do some weights for sure. But, but I might spend a good chunk of that time, or at least some of that time, doing aerobic stuff. And I want to make sure that I'm kind of managing what's hard, but also getting an, enough work done. So if yeah. we look at, say, high-intensity interval training, tradition, everyone thinks HIIT training is like the bee's knees. Yeah. But in reality... HIIT training oftentimes isn't done at high intensities. It's kind of like, let me go at an easy pace, rest 15 seconds, go again. Yeah. And that's not traditional high intensity. High intensity interval training is fucking balls to the wall. 20 yeah. seconds, I'm on the ground, like I can't get back up. Yeah, right. Let me rest for three minutes and do it again. Kind of like doing a heavy double or a heavy triple yeah, squats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, let me rest for three, four minutes after and do that again. So taking that and going, oh, that's what high intensity interval training is, at least from a sports science perspective. Yeah. And then going, cool, I probably shouldn't do that with a the client. They're paying me. Yeah. And if I've got 30 minutes with them and I go, cool, we're gonna do 20 seconds, and then real freaking hard, and then we're gonna rest for five minutes. Uh, yeah. They're probably gonna be like, what the fuck am I paying yeah. this guy for? <laughs> Even I'm a bit, but that's science. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I definitely go, oh, that's something I've learned, but it might not always work with a client. If I've got half an hour and their goal is weight loss and we kind of think, oh, let's do one of the sessions, let's do a little bit more aerobic stuff to burn a little bit more calories, kind of waste some energy, if you will. Um, I need to figure out a way that they can get a lot done, yeah. but also it's not boring. So I'm not just gonna say, let's just walk on a treadmill for half an hour, let's ride a bike for half an hour and talk, because yeah. they're not paying me to do that. Yeah. Um, but I also need to make sure that it's getting what they can, like getting what needs to be done, done. Yeah. So a lot of the times, kind of the CrossFit style workouts that a lot of times get hated on, especially by the powerlifting and bodybuilding community. I agree. But they're, they're good. They're really good for I don't, burning a I don't shit like, ton of energy. Yeah, I don't uh, like them and I, and I would don't think I'd do them myself, but I do know that they work. If somebody said, I want to be a bodybuilder, I would not tell them to do CrossFit. But no. if someone said, I want to just absolutely fucking annihilate myself yeah. and I've only got 30 minutes you better get the most amount of work done, barely have any rest, and just keep going and breathing heavy for the whole constant, like, 30 minutes. And especially because our clients that might do two 30-minute sessions, so we just kind of need to get shit done. Yeah. But then the thing that they don't teach you in uni is if you just come in with the attitude of, let's get shit done, um, and somebody's the first time doing exercise, and it's Mary Smith who just wants to get better at a gardening. Yeah. Uh, and she's 68 years old. Uh, and you just say, yeah, sweet, we're going to get her in a salt pipe, we're going to do clean jerks back and forth. You can't, you're probably going to break her and she's yeah. going to do one, maybe two sessions and be like, oh, I, I'm hurt, I can't train anymore, or she's not going to want to. Yeah. So you need to ease them into that. Yeah. And some teachers who have, have been in the industry, worked in the industry, will teach you that within the university degree. Like they'll go, guys, pro tip, and they'll give you and be like, oh, that's a really good one. Yeah. But a lot of the times the people teaching the courses are PhD students yeah. who actually have gone from our position, undergrad, doing an honours, to then doing a PhD 
some of them have worked in the industry but some of them haven't yeah. at least not with general pop clientele yeah. a lot of times they've just worked with athlete, uh, athletes yeah. and then they forget to tell you that or they don't know to tell you yeah. that um, or when they're teaching the lecture and you've got, only got an hour and you think oh, and you get the science across you don't you forget to mention the practical side of it right um, so that's things that I've taken from some teachers and I, but I've also just kind of tried to be on my own personal awareness and that's something I've developed over time and yeah, I've made yeah, mistakes course, along the way so yeah. we're talking about like the CrossFit kind of style of training that you might use to say for like an aerobic exercise or trying to lose fat mm-hmm. is there like any specific kind of like rep scheme or like timings or like exercises that you usually tend to stick with for yeah. clients um, just to preface that uh, largely even with clients I will always kind of um, try to underpin that the body weight changes that they want to see because a lot of times losing weight is largely going to be influenced by diet and yeah. just like an overall energy balance yeah of course so you're like calories in calories out um, but if I think cool I'm not a nutritionist I'm not a dietitian and a lot of the times they don't want my help yeah. with the diet side I've got some people that just literally say you're here to be my trainer I don't want you to touch my diet and I'm yeah. like absolutely yeah. let's do it let's get after well, it that's, what like- that's what I'm here for yeah. that's what they're paying me for um, and so if I can't touch that or I don't know what they're doing with that I just go, okay, my job is just kind of to make sure that there's a buffer. Yeah. Um, and I get, we'll get after it. Obviously, if they want to do weights, we'll do weights. If they don't really like cardio, doing exercise is better. Yeah. But if they say, I'm, you're the trainer, you do what you want, um, I'll do what you tell me to do, and my goal is weight loss, I don't want to gain muscle, I just want to lose weight, mm-hmm. um, we get after it. And yeah. we, reps-wise, we're kind of going to be doing more moderate rep ranges, probably like six on the lower end up to like 15, sometimes yeah. 20. And a lot of the times, a general structure I would use is I let's let's lift a couple things heavy, and yep. then let's go get after it with some conditioning stuff. So we might jump on an assault bike, we might do some box jumps, battle rope slams, yep. some like push presses with some dumbbells, some kettlebell swings. We might run for a little bit, um, just kind of keep moving and breathing yep. for like 15, 20 minutes. So it's not yeah. full out like yeah. high intensity. Yeah, it's it's, it's moderate not, enough that you can continue yeah. going and that you can it's continue conti- continuous like aerobic activity. So yeah. when someone's breathing and they're just heavy breathing, just constantly going for twenty minutes, that is moderate to low intensity yeah. like uh, like low intensity exercise by like by definition because you cannot should not be able to sustain it for that long if it's high intensity. Yeah. So it, in a way, it's similar to kind of the effects that would happen from say walking on a treadmill or on a bike. Yet it's just probably a bit more yes. fun. Yes, exactly. And that's yeah. why you got yeah. on that. Angle. I could. I reckon I could get someone to get a. I could if if the, if we were just measuring. Let's just burn calories, and I could probably get someone to burn more calories on a treadmill. I yeah. stick them on an incline and get them doing running and sprints and stuff on like an incline treadmill. But they're not going to want to do that. That's really no. boring. It's really hard, and they're not going to pay me for 30 minutes of just making them run because yeah. they'll go oh I can just do that myself and the point is yeah you can yeah and um, also with the style of training that you're kind of talking about you also get like besides the aerobic stuff you also get a lot of yeah. other benefits from it yeah Mu- a lot more different muscle simulation I, I do agree I do think it has a little bit of benefits in terms of like some weight components it's going to get to a point where the 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 weight on the of the exercise that we do isn't that Impressive to the point where it's not going to make any noticeable like physiological changes or like they're not yeah. going to build heaps and heaps of muscle from it. But it's definitely a good way to get some extra volume in. Like nothing wrong with doing, let's say someone's doing some rowing intervals and then we get them to do like some dumbbell shoulder presses in between. Um, hey, a bit of extra shoulder volume. Yeah, if exactly. I, if I have a guy or a girl that says I wouldn't mind getting some some, some big shoulders. Yeah, hey, good, good stuff. Cool. That's a really good way of putting it because a lot of people kind of think it's either one or the other, you know. And it's good that to know that there's always like pr- 
pros and cons of each kind of style of training and Absolutely. you know and there's always like a middle ground mm. so where do you see yourself do you think in say five years time um possibly still at uni <laughs> so uh i'm not sure if I, I think i mentioned it before but i'm doing my honors um if that goes well and by well I mean I really enjoy myself and I don't annoy my supervisors enough that they don't want to support me I might stay on and consider doing either a master's or a PhD um, if I don't have a good time I'll probably keep going with personal training and yeah. try to expand my current online coaching business so try to get that bigger and just become more involved in that yeah. and see what I can do there but realistically, if I go down the uni route or the PhD route or a master's program, um, I might be at uni for the next three or four years, continue to research, and then I still think after that I will probably end up going into some, some type of private business. Yeah. Not exactly sure just yet. Yeah, so but something where I'm kind of being a bit of a communicator, but doing what I enjoy, which is going to be something in the fitness industry. Yeah. So you want to hopefully, plan is like hopefully do a PhD. Do you know like what specific area, like that hypertrophy kind of... Yeah, definitely in... It's definitely in sports science. Yeah. Um, and it's probably most likely going to be in weight training. Like yeah. something something to do with resistance training uh, or something to do with my little area of body composition yeah, that, right. that I really like. Yeah, Cool. That's really interesting. So you mentioned your online um, coaching kind of business and stuff like that. Do you want to give us a quick overview of yeah, sure. uh, what so you've just started? I've only just started it. So I've, I've been doing some online coaching with people, some for free, some for paid, um, for a little bit just to kind of get better at it bit of experience. People, yeah a bit of experience when people ask for help I'm happy to give it um, but now I've kind of realised that oh I like this stuff I want to make it viable for myself and it's also good to have some form of income that you can do from a laptop yeah while a bit of a side hustle while you are studying or while you are doing research because it takes up a lot of time yeah um, so it's called Vivo Personal Training um, the Vivo is just a part of again it's a science thing it's just when you do in vivo research it just means it's latin for within the living so you typically do in vitro or in vivo research in right. vitro is like in a test tube or in a glass stain like looking at under a microscope yeah and then in vitro in vivo sorry is just the opposite it's in living things so typically okay. animal studies in living people yeah so it's just kind of emphasizing that i'm working with people i'm acknowledging that they're people i'm not looking at cool. mechanisms of science and trying to apply it to people i'm working with people that's that's my goal it's exciting yeah. looking yeah. forward to it yes I'm really excited yeah so that, that's uh, kind of the next step for me business wise and personal training wise yeah and then hopefully kind of gain up some, some clients in there yeah. and just get it and, underway and in reality like I, I, that's, I want to gain, gain clients I want it to be a viable source of income but also I just kind of want to share some ideas that I have and help some people yeah because you're obviously very knowledgeable in the area especially, especially physique development um, muscle building and somewhat obviously strength training and stuff like that so um, you know you, thank you yeah <laughs> so um, you'd want to be able to apply that knowledge um, for people obviously you're doing it already yeah. but be able to broad, broaden your yeah. client list yes well I, I think I just want to simplify it for some people I just want I want people to realise it's not that hard it yeah. doesn't need to be this life changing phenomena where you eat 12 times a day and yeah. don't see your friends and yeah. train four hours a day um, I just I want people to realise it can become a part of your lifestyle and put out some information to make help people make informed decisions yeah, yeah. so your so the, the, the business would most likely be kind of centred around just like programming telling people what to train not, not so much the nutrition side of things uh, no we will be doing uh, nutritional like consultancy so okay. it's we're, we're not dietitians I might eventually 
I might have uh, I, I might bring on a dietitian yeah. eventually but in the early stages right now it's yeah, myself yeah, yeah. and I will still go and converse with people who have more knowledge than I do in areas yeah. to find out things so if, if I'm not available if I'm not willing or I can't help somebody I will refer out or I will work with somebody that can help so if someone comes in with me as we've been working with a dietitian I might go consult with a dietitian a, fr- a friend of mine to make sure that I'm not stepping overstepping my mark I'm yeah. within my scope of practice here yeah um but in front terms of nutrition, nutritional consultancy stuff, it's largely about the training side. Like we make prescriptions and we want to work with the person to find a program that fits well with their lifestyle. And then nutrition is kind of the same thing. Yeah. We find nutritional strategies that work well with their lifestyle to kind of get the, the, to walk, the closest towards their outcome they want. So if somebody wants to lose weight, we kind of explain ideas like the energy balance, yeah. um, Distribution of macronutrients so we can maybe keep the protein high, so yeah. we can keep maintaining muscle mass or something like that, and just kind of find so simple kind of stuff. Yeah, simple yeah. stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily want people just to come in and track macros. I don't want to just give macros. I want to work with people, find out what things they prefer, yeah. what things work well with them, um, and then work with them on maybe developing habits and behaviors that are going to be the get them the best outcome and what they want at that time. Cool. That sounds like you've kind of got a really good idea of what you kind of want to do. With uh, with like your pro, uh, with like the company and stuff like that. So hopefully, good. I'm glad it comes across. Yeah, that no, way. it definitely do- does come ac- uh, across quite clearly. And I saw you started Instagram yesterday. Was that yesterday? Yes, I- I've had it for a while, and it's just kind of like I've been working with someone for, to create some like logos and brands, uh, yeah. of, like brand imaging. And um, eventually, I had I had uh, I had the logos, and I was kind of like I should just make a post just so. I can start yeah. <laughs> letting at least my friends and family know that this is what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, um, so, yeah it's a good yeah, logo. Yeah. I like it. Oh, thank you. And the color, uh, the color scheme of it. Yeah, um, it's weird. He goes, "What colors do you want for the logo?" And I was like, oh, "I've just been using this beige color for my Excel templates." And he's like, yeah. "We can do that." And Something I'm like, sweet. Yeah. Did, what did he make it on? Did he? Uh, I don't know. So if anyone wants, I the the collect. I think it's the collective agency. Um, I can eventually I'll probably give him a shout out for, for the design of it but I I, f- the co- I can't remember his company's name yeah. and so I don't know what products he uses okay. or, oh, or right, how right, he right. creates Fair it enough. but yeah it's a, con- it's a digital marketing yeah, content yeah, yeah. creator yeah. company yeah that's really interesting alright we'll just finish up um, this episode with like one last question mm. if you could give uh, tips for both people just starting out in the gym and also people who are a bit more intermediate slash advanced, um, a few tips kind of for each person on, um, you know, on better ways to either uh, build muscle or like to, tra- to like, you know, tips in hypertrophic training. Hmm. So let, I guess let's start with the beginner. So we're assuming you're kind of, kind of coming in off the street or within sort of, let's say, the first six months to a year of training. And, and I don't necessarily just mean lifting weights. I mean like good quality training because a lot of people kind of dilly-dally around the gym for like five years. Yep. So I would say you need to be patient. You need to kind of put some time into it. Um, you need to have like skin in the game for a while before you can kind of see any appreciable results. If your goal is muscle gain, if you're not already in a stage that you're overweight or unhappy with your, your, your physique, you need to be in a, some type of probably a surplus and kind of a small surplus, a moderate small surplus yeah. and kind of stay there for a while. Find a, a split of frequency of exercises that work well with you. Do it a lot, get stronger, stay, use, consistent. stay consistent with it. Um, and then as soon as you find that there's something you want to change, maybe change, but also consider the long-term goal ahead. So a lot of people kind of bulk for four months and then think I'm going to do a cut. Yeah. But in reality, it might be better to just keep the long-term 
goal in mind, especially if someone wants to get like jacked, you yep. need to be in a surplus and just be gaining weight for a, a significant. And like that's of time. what I've done. Like that's what I've explained on one of the other. Po- I think my previous podcast with um with Lockie and Molly on the nutrition expedition, I talked about muscle growth and I talked about how I was pretty much bulking for almost a year, year and a half. Yeah. So I think the last time I was in a caloric deficit, I think was about a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. And I know that like that's because I well, I have now. a long term goal. And I like, it's like, okay, you know, this, you know, people always say to me over, especially this summer that's just gone by, been pretty rough because everyone's like, <laughs> oh, mate, well, <laughs> yeah. you're not, uh, you don't have your beach body ready yet. Yeah. Or oh, what happened to, you know, why, why aren't you, you um, shredded for summer, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I know that, but, you know, I, I want this kind of image in this amount of time and I know that I need to bulk for a long period of time to get there. Um, don't get me wrong, this summer will be different. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently my friends say that I say that every summer. Yeah, that's um, always... But I'm going to hopefully yeah. do a comp at the end of the year. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, I want to do like a men's physique comp. So I think that'll really... The end of 2020? Yeah, I think yeah, maybe cool. October, nice. November, something like that. And um, I know that'll keep me really accountable. Um, obviously having something, you know, Definitely. A competition is yeah. going to keep you so accountable whilst I feel like if you're just doing it for the for the for the sake of it yeah you can fall off the wagon very very easily. absolutely that's something else I would say to beginners is like kind of in the, in the beginning stages I'm not saying you have to have this really deep thought about why you want to do this yeah it might just start out as I want to look better that's yeah. how it started for me yeah um, I was probably not that confident in the way I looked so I just wanted to look yeah. a little bit better and yeah. that kind of transcends that um, but just to realize that you don't have to look a certain way for anybody you're in this for yourself yeah. and there's nothing wrong with saying oh I feel a little bit more comfortable when I'm this lean or I feel a little bit more comfortable when I'm a little bit bigger or something like that that's totally fine but um, sometimes if you've got a deeper reason why you're doing it yeah. maybe it's a bodybuilding show and you're not doing a bodybuilding show because you want to get shredded for Instagram you're doing a bodybuilding show because you, you kind of like it you, or you enjoy that stuff you kind yeah. of, it's weird because nobody does a bodybuilding show because it's fun you do it because of this weird reason that you yeah. like it I haven't yeah. really figured out why but, I, was, um, actually yeah. funny, I was watching Pumping Iron last night um, it's been a while since I watched it and I was like I just want to watch it again I just I feel like watching it and um, uh, one of the amateur bodybuilders I can't remember his name and he was he was talking about how um, people think oh no I'm pretty sure it was Arnold anyway and he was talking about how um People think it's weird how he does like the bodybuilding, or he's in the gym six times a week, and he takes it seriously, and all that kind of stuff. And he said that like he, it's just like something he loves, and it's just yeah. something is something inside of him. And it's just like he compared it to say um, he was just like, oh, I can't imagine getting into a car and trying to drive the fastest down a quarter yeah. mile, kind of thing like that. Yeah, but for yeah. people who do that, that's that thrill that they love, and that's that thing that they love. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's hard to kind of explain why you like it or why you love it. Yeah. But um, yeah, like it's just kind of something that's just like implemented in, into your brain, and you just you just got like you, you you enjoy it, and like you love being in the gym, or you love that kind of culture, um, and you just want to you just take it as far as possible. Absolutely, and I think you can learn a lot of life. A lot of people take a lot of life skills from bodybuilding. And I don't mean like in the first year of bodybuilding. I mean like if you do it for 10, 15, 20 years, um, those oh, yeah. are the people that kind of, if they're pretty good at that stuff, like if, they, if they're so regimented with the diet and they've been successful in that sport um, and they're regimented with the diet, they're regimented with their training, maybe they have a supplement regime and they kind of treat their body as a temple, so to speak. Yeah. They probably kind of excel at least to some degree outside of that. That's not the case for everybody, but yeah. if they take those skills and apply them outside, they're probably successful in a lot of things outside have like in business many, yeah. uh, maybe in the studies and whatever relationships. Like have a look at how many like bodybuilders or like fitness personnel actually own their own businesses mm. you know obviously a lot to do with social media in today's generation mm. but 
a lot of them they have like um, they have like the willpower and mindset from the bodybuilding um, and then they apply it outside like you said yeah. and a lot of them today all have their own business whether it could be be a supplement brand it could be personal training online training absolutely their own gym clothing brand whatever yes exactly so, yeah and so yeah. i think with beginners that's f- stick at it get yeah time d- realize that you're not doing this for anybody else yeah. and take some of the skills that you learn from maybe training um and consider applying them to outside of the gym yeah like just because you're you know you go hardcore or you have this regime that you must follow and strict schedule doesn't mean you can't take some of those habits and behaviors and and apply them outside i think it's probably good that if you did you might find that other areas of your life you start to excel at as well and another big thing is research Hmm? research for uh, for beginners i think that doing a lot of research when you first get into the gym so maybe after say you've been training for six months you know three to four times a week relatively consistent and you kind of enjoy it and start enjoying it and that okay i want to do this long term you know go on your laptop or computer and you know research stuff styles of training styles of eating what to eat what like all that kind of stuff and it will do you like a very very good like yeah do you so well for sure and and then just make sure that those people you're listening to if you oh they're reputable yeah but also don't just buy into one person like yeah. consider hunting around kind of oh, shop, yeah. shopping around um like you're not going to go listen to Rich Piana's videos and be like, okay, I'm going to apply everything he says. To yeah, it, he may not be the most relatable person. Yeah. Um, rest in peace. Yeah. But um, of course. But also, in saying that doesn't mean what he's inherently saying just because he was a juiced up dude was correct or didn't have some level of truth to it. It just means kind of like look at other people's opinions uh, or other, what other people have to say. Find out which ones you agree with yeah. and that might might align with your experiences. But also find out who seems to be quite rational who seems to be logical and their reasoning follows a similar train of logic every time yeah because um, th- those types of people could still be wrong about something else and they might be right about some stuff yeah but a lot of the times the people that are consistently right or at least are willing to acknowledge that when they've been wrong and correct themselves seem to try to come at it from an idea of quite rational logical um sort of this rational skepticism so to speak um yeah. So definitely shop around in yeah, terms of yeah, the people you definitely. hunt for information out of. And then say for intermediate to advanced people? Yeah, so intermediate to advanced, you've definitely kind of established some training competency at this point. You've been doing it for a few years now. You've probably already got some decent strength or some decent size. I think this is the time where you actually need to start specializing a little bit. If you want to be a strength athlete, yeah. go down the strength athlete part. Not to say you won't get bigger and vice versa. If you want to be a bodybuilder, not to say you won't, want to get, you won't get stronger. But if you want to be a strength athlete... You need to kind of, and let's say powerlifting, weightlifting, strongman, whatever it be, you need to get good at those movements. You need to start investing the time and getting good at those specific skills and generating uh, a lot of volume at a certain intensity because that's what's going to get you stronger. You might have periods where you back off the intensity and kind of do a more volume hypertrophy-focused block, but most of your training might be a little bit in the higher intensities. And then the opposite could be true or on the other end of the spectrum when it comes to the intermediate to advanced training for bodybuilding, you kind of need to start specializing a bit. Nothing wrong with occasionally going through a lower volume period of training where you kind of up the intensities to almost kind of resensitize yourself to the to the training stimulus. And then when you do go back into higher volumes, you might be get a better results from them. But majority of your time should be spent with the goal in mind of getting bigger, which means I'm not here to, to do heavy doubles. Not to say you can't put a double in every now and then, yeah. but your, your, your working set should be probably be somewhere between six and 20 reps most of the time depending on the movement, probably somewhere between one rep away from failure and like yeah. four reps away from failure, yeah. uh, pretty close to that failure point, and you're here to generate 
a lot of tension, a lot of volume, yeah. um, and get bigger. Yeah, and that's what I've done. Like, because I've been training for about five years now, and it was only really just in the past six months to maybe a year. Like, I've realized I've always wanted to do like some sort of competition stuff. I've always been very interested in that kind of thing, but I knew like I obviously just I had to work on you know just getting bigger and eating and training and just kind of establishing establishing myself and just kind of being familiar with everything and learning a lot of things and so now i feel like i'm in a point in in, in time where i can actually specifically like like focus on uh, different things so like um i've really <clears throat> changed my perspective on eating now and mm -hmm. i've like started to kind of like obviously i was used to just eating like whatever i could find mm. but now it's a lot more um specific and like eating a lot more clean stuff because i know it's like better for you um and then also training styles it's like i hardly do any strength stuff you know i might do it like a single or a double here and there just to kind of test my strength to see where i'm at um but yeah the, the, the lowest i'll go maybe four maybe six reps um every few weeks or so mm. but the majority of it is kind of that um anywhere between 8 to 15, 16 kind yeah. of reps, um, depending on the on the exercise. Um, so, yeah, like, that's a really good point, though, because a lot of people, you know, you already establish, you already, like, enjoy it, and you're already well into it and stuff like that. But to go to that next step, you kind of really need to figure out, um, like, what, 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 like, yeah, you, you what kind of you want to go down to. You sort of do have to kind of pick a camp and prioritise a little bit. doesn't yeah. mean you can't kind of dip your toes or dip your foot in the water of the other camp every yeah, now and yeah. then but for the most part if you want to be a bodybuilder because it'll get you better results yeah but also it's fun yeah. but it, yeah and if you want to if you want to be a bodybuilder there's probably some merit to the saying train like a bodybuilder yeah. and if you want to be a powerlifter probably train like a powerlifter yeah. and when you're in the beginning probably just do as, as much as you can whatever you can <laughs> kind of just get, get used to get used to lifting yeah, lift yeah, well yeah. kind of get good technique and yeah. just try to get stronger but also try to get some bigger you probably will I wouldn't overstress too much as a beginner yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, guys, I think that wraps up um, the episode. Uh, thanks, Andy, for coming on. Really appreciate it. I think we talked about some, a lot of really specific stuff when it comes to hypertrophy training and also strength training. Um, so hopefully you guys can apply to your own uh, life and to your training. And, you know, hopefully you can um, take this knowledge and kind of, you know, develop from it. Um, so yeah, do you have any Instagram or social media you want to shout out? Like maybe yeah. your personal training? For sure. I just wanted to say thank you so much for Matt for having me on. It's been a real pleasure to get to talk to people um, about what I'm passionate about. Um, my personal Instagram, follow me at Andrew Vivigi. It's spelt Andrew underscore W-E-W-E-G-E. -E -E. yep. I know it's spelt very weird. That's my last name. Uh, and then my business account, which is probably going to be Vivo Personal Training. So if you're interested in coaching or just want to ask me things, probably go Vivo PT. And also I'm going to be putting out a lot of content. So that's at Vivo PT. So at V-I-V-O-P-T. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll, shout, I'll definitely shout them out on the Instagram, on uh, the Daily Mail's Instagram page. Um, I'll tag them in a few posts and stuff like that. So if you guys are interested, definitely um, contact Andy because he is very knowledgeable in this area and he, you know, He's um, very, very passionate. And if you guys want that extra help, he's definitely the person to go to. All right, guys, thanks for listening. And um, I'll speak to you in the next episode.